health naturally. In the meantime, though, Dennis, let's uh, take a look at cancer bush. Cancer bush. Look, it's a, a provocative name, and I think immediately we need to say to listeners, uh, even though it's called cancer bush, this is not a cure for cancer. What it is is a bush or a herb or a tree that is prolific in southern Africa and used by the black population, the coloured population and even the white population as a supportive remedy uh, for people that are in various stages of cancer management or for whom uh, the mainstream uh, med- uh, Western medical approach uh, is not, uh, not helping them. This is a herb that has been resorted to and increasingly used. I suspect the best way of referring to it would be to see it as a herb that has what Dr. Weiss would call a non-specific enhancing effect on the immune system. In other words, it's a perfectly safe herb. Uh, There is no serious toxicity associated with it. It is popularly used. It's not common here in Australia, Jane. As far as I'm aware, I would be the only uh, medical herbalist using it here in seeking to help people uh, necessarily with their oncologists or with their general practitioners' understanding and support who are fighting various forms of cancer. And my observation over the last couple of years, particularly this year, is that it may have some benefit with some of the uh, improved results that patients see in their prognosis, their blood profile, uh, when they have appended this particular remedy to their mainstream management. There does seem to be emerging confirmation that it might be useful as a remedy that supports or enhances the immune system in its battle against this wretched disease. So I've been fascinated in studying it this year and looking at its properties. It, it obviously works differently to a lot of plant-based remedies uh, from which cancer drugs have emerged. Listeners may be interested to know that um, some of our mainstream uh, remedies used by oncologists are remedies that are derived from plants. For instance, two remedies, vincristin and vinblastin, uh, were extracted years ago from a periwinkle. Oh. Uh, the ordinary vinca minor, uh, and sometimes even from vinca major, but those two alkaloids uh, have been now incorporated into mainstream medical management for various cancers with considerable success. Also, a, a more recent drug used in oncology, uh, taxol, uh, is an extract or a derivative from the yew tree, um, Taxus baccata. Uh, these substances uh, are very toxic substances and are extracted from herbs that need to be used very, very cautiously, if at all. But when we're talking about remedies like uh, cancer bush and even astragalus, we're talking about herbs that have, as far as I'm aware, and I'm, I'm pretty up on this, no significant toxicological characteristics, so they must be working non-specifically against various pathologies only by virtue of the fact that they may well be inhibiting the process of cancer by stimulating the immune system or interfering with some of the processes that are associated with cancer spread. Whichever way it goes, this year is going to be a year in which I'm going to do a lot more work with this herb, Sutherlandia frutescens, and I'm observing a handful of people that are using the remedy uh, in conjunction, let me emphasise, with their mainstream um, treatment for cancer. And generally speaking, these people 
uh, are working with practitioners, mainstream practitioners, that um, are not too concerned about using this sort of herb, particularly when they see the information that we provide. So one of the great things that I set myself finally to do in my career that must come to an end very shortly <laughs> is to, no. to, to, to satisfy myself, Jane, that there is still, there is still in the plant world remedies that are out there ready to be used ready to be utilised in addressing this wretched disease that comes close to nearly every family. That's my objective, to scour the world to see what's available. And uh, this year I'm going to intensify that activity. Mm. And cancer bush is part of that, it is. Dennis. It yeah. is. And, and, and I say to listeners who are interested, get on the net, punch in cancer bush, cancer tree, Sutherlandia frutescens. There's a heap of information available in the popular literature as well as the medical literature. So it's, it, it could be this year a herb that becomes as popular as the herb astragalus in addressing immunological activity. From Fern Bay and hello Eleanor, you want to talk about insomnia and honey. Yes, um, if you don't mind, I just I did hear um, them talking about it one Friday, but mm. I can't remember whether he said okay. to take one tablespoon or two tablespoons okay. of pure Australian honey yes. to try and get to sleep. <laughs> that's that's the clue too, Eleanor. Make sure it's pure Australian honey yes. uh, rather than some of the stuff that's coming into the country from overseas. Look, Eleanor, there's a bit of debate about this, but I was quoting from a, a very good little book to read uh, called Folk Medicine yes. by Dr Jarvis. If you can get your local library to get hold of a copy, get hold of it and read it. And I say this to all listeners. It's a mine of information about folk medicine written by this lovely doctor many years ago who noticed mm -hmm. that people in Vermont were using honey um, medicinally. And as far as insomnia was concerned, he recommended that patients uh, give a trial on a tablespoonful Oh, right. Thank you so much. It's got to be a tablespoonful. Yes. Now, Now, let me just say, not everyone benefits from it, but the good thing about it is um, it's harmless, um, it's cheap, um, and you've got to give it a try. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. And uh, the more I read about honey, as you've probably heard me talk about it, the more I'm convinced that it is a remedy that has been sadly overlooked. Uh, and in the area of insomnia, I get feedback even on this program, from people who have used it or started to use it for insomnia and get benefit from it. So my suggestion would be, Eleanor, start taking at least a tablespoonful at night before you go to bed, maybe in a glass of warm milk or something like that. I'd be surprised if you didn't get some benefit. Good. Thank you ever so kindly. Thank you, Eleanor. And it uh, doesn't matter if you take more, does it, Dennis? No, not at all. In fact, um, what I was going to say here is that... Um, my my um, enthusiasm for honey has always been there, but this year it was further encouraged by my getting hold of a book called The Honey Revolution, uh, written by two medical professionals from the United States. That convinced me more than ever uh, that this is not just folk medicine. This now has a credible uh, explanation behind how honey can be used for multiple purposes. And by the way, the abridged version of that book is available from Pender Brothers at Moneybung Road in Cardiff. And they are great people. Let me emphasise to our listeners, uh, these are good people that help many people starting off with bees. They're ethical. They've got good products. I've worked with them for years. 
I know them personally, you can get hold of that little book, the abridged version of The Honey Revolution, which will confirm my enthusiasm for seeing honey as, a, as an underutilised... And you know what, Jane? I still am surprised and discouraged when I have patients or clients who want to use honey or honey ointment on, a, on an ulcer that's re- defied everything else and yet are still told by some nursing staff and some medical practitioners, oh, no, oh, no, no, there's no a credible basis to using that. Well, I dissent from that. There is every credible base to it. And uh, I would say to people out there that are battling uh, some of these wretched varicose ulcers uh, that are about, try to get approval and take the initiative. If you're getting nowhere with these wretched things, try honey. Honey, good stuff. And Judith has rung in from Valentine and uh, it's scalp and nail problems that you've got, you've got on your mind at the moment, Judith. How can we help you, Judith? Well, What's happening? Well, I have... Hairdresser told me I have sebaceous... What do you call it? Seabreak dermatitis. No, yes. yes. On the scalp. And yes. the doctor told me the same thing. Yes. And they've only advised me about a shampoo to use, but is there something else that can I use? Uh, depending on how severe it is, um, seabreak dermatitis is one of these things that I've found can be a little bit stubborn and it can respond... Uh, usefully to topical applications. I've always found I've always found that people get some benefit from using topical preparations based on tea tree oil, and I'm not sure sure whether you have used it, but I use tea tree oil as a shampoo for what little hair I've got left. I use it for for for, for washing and 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 it has proven in some cases to be useful for seborrheic dermatitis. So, and uh, I'd, I'd suggest you give that a go. On the other hand, on the other hand, uh, the condition you're looking at is an inflammatory skin condition, as all dermatitis conditions are. And you would have heard me talk during the year about my enthusiasm for using bioflavonoids for inflammatory yes, I take, skin. I take them. Do you? Well, that, yes. how long have you been using them, Judith? Oh, a few years now. And what concentration are you using? In with the vitamin C, rutin and bioflavonoids, okay. take the combined one. If, if, if you are not using a bioflavonoid called quercetin, write that down. Oh, okay. Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Yes. Quercetin is, is probably the most important bioflavonoid in the team for addressing inflammatory activity. Rutin is useful as a bioflavonoid, but it's generally used to address more vascular conditions, things like uh, varicose veins and hemorrhoids and uh, minor blood vessel problems. Um, So I would suggest you look uh, for a bioflavonoidal combination that has quercetin in it and try that. And also also begin to use uh, regularly, uh, begin to use some oil of evening primrose, Use right. that. Use that as an oral supplement. Okay. Evening primrose oil is popularly used and has been popularly used for many decades in managing chronic skin conditions such as eczema and dermatitis. It's a very reasonably priced supplement these days. It has multiple benefits, particularly for for women, but it is useful as a supplement to address inflammatory conditions of the skin anywhere. So that would be my suggestion. Try the uh, tea tree oil shampoos. Uh, Thursday Plantation make a good product. Use the um, uh, quercetin bioflavonoid 
and uh, begin to use over a period of time encapsulated preparations of oil of evening primrose. Would there be a tea tree or lotion that I can leave in overnight? There is. You, if you, if you, where, where do you live? You're at Valentine? Yes. Okay, look, whip over to Vitology at Warner's Bay. They, they, know the, yes, the, I know. Uh, they know the products that I use. I'm sure they would have a range of products there that would embody uh, a preparation of, of tea tree that would be appropriate as a lotion as well as a shampoo. And with my nails, they yes. never grow. They either split, break, okay. they're real brittle. Have you used silica? No, I haven't used silica okay. yet. While, while you are at the health food store, uh, talk to them about your nail condition. There are many products at the over-the-counter level that are based on silica because of its reputation to be useful, to be useful in addressing most nail conditions such okay. as splitting and flaking, etc. And the good thing about that, Judith, is uh, those preparations are economical. Uh, they're very safe. They do need to be worked with. They're not overnight cures. Thanks for your call, Judith. And you can get your call through on your question for Dennis on 49216216. And that's the number that Trevor rang in from Anna Bay. Now we're going back to cancer and uh, tomorrow leaves. A Japanese herbal remedy is what you've come up with, Trevor. That's correct. Hello, Trevor. How are you, Doctor? Good. I'm sorry I missed the first part of your talk. I've just been working on the car. I've just walked in and uh, come in on it. Okay, that's very, very nice of you to come in on it. Just call me Dennis, by the way. Dennis, all right, yeah. Okay, Dennis, so, sure. So what have you got to tell me about the uh, this preparation, uh, Trevor? Uh, well, uh, I've heard about it from cancer survivors. Yes. Uh, one woman had breast cancer, yes. and she, she wouldn't have the uh, traditional treatments. Mm -hmm. And she claims that she's been cured by this uh, bush or, or to leaves. It's called tomorrow leaves, and it comes from Japan. I don't know the, the technical okay. term for it, Dennis. Okay. But, but my mum's got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm -hmm. stage four, mm -hmm. and she's responding well to CHOP treatment at uh, Gosford Hospital. Yes. And I just wondered if uh, this uh, this uh, cancer bush or this Ostragalus are available out here. Okay. The first, the first thing you'd say, Trevor, about mum's situation is yeah. if, if she's doing well, um, yeah. it's best uh, not to um, do anything that, is not, that has not got the nod of the oncologists or the practitioners that are looking after her. That's okay, very, then. Because sometimes, sometimes uh, the intervention by using things that are not well selected can disturb the management and give a confusing uh, result, particularly in some of the blood tests. Now, I haven't found that to be common, but I think it's ethical and correct. If your mum's being uh, treated professionally and properly, yep. the people managing her should be at least approached. These days I have found, these days I have found, there is increasing openness on the part of oncology to accept the fact that the Western approach, good and excellent as it is, can sometimes be reinforced by complementary yeah, medicine. So mention it to her. I, I couldn't enumerate the number of patients uh, that I have recommended Astragalus uh, to use who have been battling various forms of cancer and with their oncologist or practitioner's approval have used it. And I believe there is evidence to suggest that by doing that, their prognosis has improved. But I say this to all listeners, before you start doing things 
that are not well understood, which might upset the medical management, get the approval of those that are looking after you. Now, as far as this um, uh, remedy that you're mentioning called Tomorrow Leaves from Japan, um, what you need to know is that um, uh, you need to uh, look at its botanical name. Right, uh, the, yeah. uh, if, if All herbs, let me explain to listeners, all herbs have what are called common names, and some of those common names uh, have to do with the uses for which the herb has been used. But every herb, uh, as well as having a common name, which can vary from country to country, um, also has what's called a botanical name. Oh, and, of course, and, yeah. and, and the botanical name is the name that's used universally. And uh, if you were able to get the botanical name for the preparation, I could speak more intelligently about it, but the name Tomorrow Leaves sounds a little bit, uh, how can I call it, a little bit, mm, you, you know what Whimical? I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah well, and, and look, look, look I, I have to be cautious, Trevor, that I'm not cynical because I have great, oh, res- no, no, I have, that's right, I yeah. have great respect for folk medicine, as you've already heard. But I have seen, let me emphasise this, I have seen women who have refused uh, early medical management for breast cancer. I have seen some tragic consequences of that. So oh, yeah. what I would what I would say to any woman out there who is confronted with breast cancer, for goodness sake, for goodness sake, um, go and get the conventional treatment. My wife would be one of the first to vouch for that. But it's just come up on the screen or on the screen that the name of the uh, plant is Angelica Kiski Kudzumi. Now, and, oh, Angelica. Uh, Angelica, there are numerous, numerous uh, species of Angelica. Um, as far as I'm aware, uh, and don't hold me to it, few of them have immunological consequences. Uh, I'm not to say, this is not to say that this one, Angelica Kieske, I'll spell it K-E-I-S-K-E-I. K-E-S. Now K-E-I-S-K-E-I, which is obviously, obviously a, a Japanese um, derivation. Um, Koizumi, K-O-I-D-Z-U-M-I. I'm not familiar with this plant. I'll do a little bit of uh, searching round over the next month or so while I'm, ha- I'm having a break. And um, in the new year, if there's anything in it uh, that I think uh, makes it useful to look at uh, in the context of what you're talking about, I'll raise it. Um, I'd be surprised, put it that way, uh, but I'm open to surprises. And again, I'll come back to the point simply because one person has got benefit from a herb in a particular condition, such as cancer, this is not the green light for everyone to think that all cancers can be cured by a herb, regardless of whether it is this one or the other one. But I'll look into it as I'm looking into, as I've said, the South African herb, Sutherlandia frutescens, which also on that continent is popularly used as a support remedy, I suspect, along immunological lines. I'll get back to you, Trevor, on that. Uh, but thank you so much for ringing in. I'll really research it. Um, we've been talking about cancer bush today, but you also wanted to mention oil of evening primrose, and you have mm. mentioned it briefly, Dennis. We did. And, and I said last week uh, that I'd say something about it today, and rightly so, even though we've touched on it. Um, evening primrose oil has multiple benefits. Again, the good thing about it is it is safe. 
and these days encapsulated preparations are very economical as far as price is concerned. Now there are three areas where primrose oil has potential or has demonstrated benefit. In the area of the skin, it is highly recommended and has great regard as a chronic remedy for managing chronic skin conditions such as eczema and dermatitis. Now you notice there that I mentioned chronic skin conditions and how it would need to be used chronically. That means this is a remedy that is nutritional. It contains what are called essential fatty acids. And um, one of these essential fatty acids is called gamma linoleic acid. And this uh, substance is considered to be poorly metabolized by people that experience inflammatory skin diseases such as eczema and dermatitis. It was first found useful in infantile eczema, and some kids have very, very bad eczema, and it was found that when administering it in the correct level and dosage, it led to an attenuation or an easing of the condition. But the thing here is, primrose oil being a nutritional supplement should not be seen as an alternative to medical management or even other naturopathic managements. It's a supplement that should be taken ongoingly and sometimes one needs to be on it for quite a number of months before one starts to notice some change in the character of the skin and a lessening of the inflammatory activity. It's not uncommon in my practice at, at Alma Road and Cessnock, Jane, to recommend to chronic sufferers of inflammatory skin disease that they use oil of evening primrose and they also use bioflavonoids. Let me emphasize that again. Bioflavonoids, one of which is called quercetin. And very frequently, that combination leads to benefit. So the first thing to say is that sufferers out there from dry, flaky, irritable, inflamed skin conditions, give the primrose oil a try. Don't expect any joy from it without being on it for quite a number of weeks. It can't hurt you, it may well do you good, and it is inexpensive. The other interesting area for primrose oil, and this has been pretty well also defined, is that some women that experience what's called nostalgia, that is, they experience very painful breast conditions, uh, some uh, of, of which are exacerbated in the premenstrual phase, that primrose oil, taken ongoingly, has shown to be a useful supplement to lessen the painful breast syndrome that some women experience premenstrually. So it's very popular and common in my rooms when a lady presents and complains about the engorgement of her breasts, the lumpiness of her breasts before the period, the pain of the breasts before the period, I will recommend a combination usually of oil of evening primrose in conjunction with the herb that we've spoken about recently called Vitex agnus castus. And that leads to some good results. Now, very, uh, oh, by the way, uh, some people also will find when they're using oil of evening primrose in the right dosage that some of their rheumatoid arthritic symptoms may lessen. There's evidence emerging that primrose oil is competitive with fish oil, hence the combination these days of fish oil and primrose oil in alleviating some of the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. But very excitingly, very excitingly, there is emerging in some references of credibility the hint that primrose oil may offer some benefit in the early stages, the incipient stages of diabetic symptoms, um, particularly um, neuropathy conditions. 
in a text written by the American herbalist Stephen Foster, uh, with whom I shared the platform at a conference, an international conference, many years ago. In Foster's excellent te text, the Dex ref uh, desk reference to nature's medicine, he mentions there on page 155 of that excellent text that I purchased from my good people at Lorelei in New Lambton. I've got to give them a plug. They have some excellent literature, particularly good second-hand quality literature. If you need a gift for Christmas or a good herbal book, go there. I've given you the plug, fellas. But in that lovely text by Foster, they talk about the way in which it holds uh, what's called promising possibilities in treating the early stages, the very early stages of uh, diabetic neuropathy, and that uh, it can lessen lessen the onset of it. Now, this is early stuff, early stuff. But again, the preparation is so safe, so useful, that if you are a diabetic person and you're starting to develop those peripheral neuropathy symptoms, if I were you, I'd give the primrose oil a try, get on the net and find confirmation for what I've said. Again, I come back to the point, perfectly safe. It can't conflict with anything you're taking and there may be other benefits associated with it. Dave has rung in from Lemon Tree Passage. Now, uh, some sort of pots you're talking about, Dave, is that right? That's right, yeah, but not kitchen pots. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a condition called postural orthostatic uh, tachycardia syndrome and uh, I was just wondering if, I think Dennis has come across it before, but I was calling on behalf of my 16-year-old son mm. and um, just wanted to get his, his um, opinion on it. Dave, I'll be honest with you, I have come across it. I can't recollect ever treating it. I, I'm not aware of any specific herbal remedy that might be of use to the condition. What management, mm -hmm. what management is your son having, Dave? Um, well, he's probably been in the situation for about 12 to 14 months and initially... Um, the medical doctors said, look, it, it's presenting very similar to post-viral syndrome. Yes. Um, yes. And their recommendation was simply rest. But yes. we also did go and see a herbalist. And um, interestingly enough, his recommendation also was to sort of try and cool the body down mm. and rest. However, um, that really didn't help. And, yep. Um, yep. and we went back to another... Um, GP for yes. a second opinion yes. and she um, instantly um, diagnosed it as pot. She asked Finn to lie down and then stand up and he presented with uh, like a, a raised heartbeat. So in answer to your question of um, how he's going at the moment, the result of that was to put him onto a graded exercise program okay. um, and raise his heartbeat um, initially every day for um, the first few months and then slowly over the past 12 months he he actually had to start a very cut down uh, school program like only attending maybe a couple of periods a day and um, I suppose the good news is is that now he's 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 gotten him flipped himself back up to almost full speed he's good. playing AFL like um, style football he's good. playing basketball good. And he's back on a, a full school program, and he's he's incredibly he's probably fitter than he's ever been, and he, he's continuing to um, Do well. to maintain his well. uh, yeah his his graded exercise program as well. I'll, I'll ask you a question. Um, how old's your boy? He's sixteen.
16, uh, 16 and a half. Has he, has he had glandular fever? They did do a blood test for that, and it didn't show up. So, okay. um, so that'd probably be a no. Okay. So. Uh, it's the symptomatology you talk about, um, and, and obviously you've seen a GP that's done an excellent diagnostic um, mm. exercise on your boy. Um, it, it nevertheless sounds to be almost of viral origin, almost of viral or origin. And, uh, well, certainly, mm. certainly at, at the start, like 14 months ago, yeah, it, yeah. it was a, a virus that knocked him off his okay. feet initially okay. and okay. Knocked, knocked him right okay. down. Well, yeah. then, then this gives me a clue, and I'll have to be quick, but there's what's called, or what we refer to in the natural medicine profession, as a post-viral syndrome. And this, mm. this is a syndrome that can manifest itself in multiple ways. Fatigue, mm. fatigue particularly, recurrent infection, and a whole range of weird and, and seemingly unrelated symptoms. Now, the post-viral syndrome is usually treated with our, in our profession by agents which purport to reinforce the person's immune system, to rebuild mm. it, to rebuild it. I'm using popular language. And... I think that along the way, the fact that this has been hinted at as being an immunological factor, I'd be still trying Astragalus 8. Mm, okay. I would, yeah, yeah. I, if you'd have come to me earlier and said, my boy has developed these symptoms post-virally, uh, without any, any other suggestion, I would have said, look, um, try the Astragalus 8. Uh, and even though your good doctor has spot on it, spot on it, uh, the reality of it is um, the virus, but viral background to it might still be capable of being reinforced by something as simple as astragalus 8. Mm. And then as far as the um, the dosage or the length of time, you should try it before you before you decide whether it's yeah, the, look, the go. Run it past your GP that's done the diagnosis. Mm. I would certainly uh, suggest at his age something like... Um, five mils morning and night of the liquid preparation would be a good start and you can per you can purchase it from numerous outlets mm. and and the ideal um like what would you look for as far as um upturn of uh... well, you'd, you'd like to think that this would reinforce the benefit that's already occurring well mm. I mean, it might it might not do anything but you would like mm. to see improvement in what we call vitality or energy, and a, and a further movement up the ladder as far as his general well-being. Yeah, and is that something that you take for a, a long time? No, no, or? no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. It's not something you take forever, but you'd need to be on it a little while. Yeah, understand. Oh, that's, that's really helpful, Dennis. Yeah. Thanks thank for throwing your thoughts at it. Thank you. And thank you for your call. Great stuff. And we're going to Steve now, who's rung in from Curry Curry. It's getting close to the end of the program. Hello, Steve. Yeah, hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well, Steve. How are you? Very, very well, good, thank good, you. Good, good, good. I just wanted to um, ring and say, look, I have been listening to your program for a long time now. You've got a lot of followers and a huge fan base. And I just wanted to say thank you for your program and to wish you and your family a very happy Christmas. Well, that's very nice of you, Steve. That's a very generous sentiment. I owe a lot to my uh, lady friend here who's done the program for me, dear Jane. It wouldn't be the same without Jane at the other end. But thank you, Steve, and, and uh, to all the listeners out there who have uh, listened to the program, I wish you all a happy Christmas and uh, a prosperous new year. And maybe next year 
we'll get some breakthroughs further in this fascinating topic of herbal medicine. And you're a fascinating man, so thank you. (laughs) And I'm certainly not going to claim any credit. It's all you, Dennis. Now, um, of course, if you want to hear any of Dennis's program, again, they are available on on, um, podcast through our website, to nurfm.com. So make you make use of that and uh, find the programs, find the podcasts, and then you'll be able to hear more of Dennis and more of the things that he's talked about. So it's been a wonderful year, Dennis. Thank you very much well, for coming along and giving us the benefit of your knowledge and experience. Thank you, dear Jane. Thank and you. And we look forward to next year mm-hmm. too. <laughs> On to NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.